0: Hey everyone, this is Mike Skinner. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you'd ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. Monday evening, January 12th, 2009. The board of then First Colony Christian Church, takes a vote. And they vote to accept the recommendation from the search and call committee to hire a 20-year-old as the pastor of their church. Now, I'm not making this up. There are, there's proof of this, there's minutes. And then January 25th, which would be a Sunday after service, the congregation takes a vote to call as their pastor, a 20-year-old named Mike Skinner. And then the next Sunday, February 1st, 2009, is my first official sermon Uh, Given as the pastor. Now, I thought it would be better, there'd be like a natural boost. There wasn't. uh, I still had to kind of progress through that. Um, But this January, this February, uh, marks 10 years now that I have been the pastor here at the church. A lot has happened in 10 years. Uh, A lot has happened to me, a lot has happened to the church. In 10 years, I have graduated twice. I got my undergrad, I got my graduate degree. In 10 years, I grew facial hair. In 10 years, uh, I got married. A uh, lot's happened to the church. Um, the church has been renovated 10 years ago. It did not look like this at all. Uh, you wouldn't recognize it. Uh, of course, 10 years ago, it had a different name, uh, First Colony Christian Church, and now it's Sweetwater Christian Church. lot's happened over these 10 years. We've seen times at the church in the past decade or so where we've had lots of money, where we have had very generous givers and it just be the right time and the right people's lives um and we have been able to um give it away I mean just lots and lots and lots of money given away. We were able to dream big about building and expanding and things of that nature and in ten years, we've been at points where we've had no money in ten years at one point we stood on the stage, I stood up here and we burnt a mortgage note, and we paid off the building that had we had been paying on for i think 200, 300 years, it was around around the the time the pioneers came over. In 10 years, uh, we've had lots of people at our church. We've had Sundays where we ran out of seats. And in 10 years, we've had Sundays where there were 10 people or 12 people, and they all had a job, they were supposed to be there. They all had a responsibility to, to be there. And in a decade, we've seen people come, and we've seen people leave. We've uh, formed relationships, Uh, we've grown, Um, we've changed, Uh, we've laughed together, we've cried together, we've hurt each other's feelings, we've forgiven one another, we've been a church. And there's something about that round number, that decade, for me that makes me want to evaluate and think, and, and think through what we've done as a church, what that means for us right now, and then what might happen going forward. Who might we be as a community in 2019? Usually, at the beginning of the year, we set aside a Sunday to talk about things like this, to talk about who we are as a community, why we exist, and what type of community we want to be, and then head into the new year with that kind of commitment and that kind of energy and that kind of momentum. And so I'd like to do that with us this morning. Next week, we're starting a new sermon series going through the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm super thrilled to go through it. Um, One of the things that I've struggled with my whole life is to try to make meaning of this thing we call life. Um, to try to make meaning of the the suffering and the struggle, and Ecclesiastes is all about that. And so I can't wait to dive into it with you all. But today, I want to turn to Ephesians 3 and see what Paul has to say about, surprisingly, you and I. So Ephesians 3, um, we're going to be picking it up in verse 1. Ephesians 3, verse 1, it reads like this. hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places this was all according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our lord now everyone loves a good mystery everyone loves a good story with twists and surprises everyone loves a good who done it I don't know if you're like me, but I have been suckered into an addiction for these true crime documentaries. And I know that they set me up to make me suspect that person because it's not that person and yet every time I go for it. We love this 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 um storyline of of mystery. We love things being revealed. We love things being um uh Manifested as the surprises to us. If you look at our, our greatest stories in our culture, uh, in literature and in film, um, many of them are mysteries, mystery stories. Sherlock Holmes, for me, is probably the patron saint of mystery uh, in in literature. Um, you have books and movies, very famous: um, Gone Girl, um, Inception, um, Murder on the Orient Express. So I could list on and on and on and on. All these are great. Um, mysteries that we uh, inhabit as a culture. We love it. We love mysteries. And there's something cool about being on the inside of a mystery or trying to figure it out along the way and putting all the clues together and then kind of finally coming to that aha moment. One of the reasons perhaps we love mysteries is because we just live in a weird world. Right, I mean, creation is is kind of weird. There's lots of things we don't understand. There's lots of things that we can wonder at and marvel at and explore. Um, And and there's lots of things that, just because of our position in the world, we still don't know about. And so there are mysteries like Area 51. What's happening there? I I met someone actually three or four weeks ago who was a, a Marine. And he was telling me a story. Uh, that he was stationed um, uh, back in the day right next to Area 51. There's apparently like an adjacent um, base right there. And he said, during the day, it was like nothing happened. No one was there, it seemed like. It was the most boring thing possible. But at night, he swore you would hear noises that you would never hear elsewhere in your life. He was like, it was the strangest thing. And so him and his buddies would stay up, and they would drink and tell stories, and they'd listen to these noises and come up with their fun theories, right? And as he tells the story, one night... They maybe drink a little bit more and get a little bit more courage, and they go, We're going to Area 51. (laughs) And so they walk three miles, 2 a.m. in the morning, and they come to the gate, back gate of Area 51, and they're met by a scrawny, small, young security guard who had obviously not signed up to encounter a group of 18 to 20 Marines in the middle of the night who had been drinking. And he was like, can I help you? And they were like, yeah, we're, we want to go into Area 51. And he's like, I can't let you do that. I, and so they, they kind of get into a little bit of an argument. They are pretty committed at this point, and they finally compromise. right? We won't go in. We won't beat you up. We won't overpower you as long as you let us put our foot across this gate. And so they all did, and he said, I've been to Area 51. <laughs> Yet yeah, it's still mysterious. Uh, The Bermuda Triangle, right? We come up with these mysteries. We think about these mysteries. Bigfoot, who, by the way, has been cited in every state except for Hawaii. I don't know if you knew this. Something about the volcanoes. It's science. You can look it up. (laughs) Ephesians 3 is all about a mystery. As I read this passage, that word stands out to me over and over and over and over again. Four times, a mystery that was made known, a mystery of Christ, a mystery involving the Gentiles, a mystery hidden for ages. The book of Ephesians itself is all kind of centered around this mystery. And the mystery Paul's talking about actually is fairly surprising. It's not perhaps what we'd expect. Here's what he tells us about this mystery in verse 3. It was made known to him by revelation. It was revealed to him. He didn't figure it out. No one sat down and plotted it out. They weren't clues that they put together. It took an act of God to reveal to Paul this mystery. He then says his insight, he hopes they can perceive. In verse 4, he calls it the mystery of Christ. It is Christ's mystery, or a mystery about Christ. In verse 6, he defines it, so we'll skip that for a second. But in verse 9, we see him talk about it again. He says, this mystery has been hidden for ages. Hidden where? In God, who created all things. That the creator God, from ancient times, has had this surprise plan. Has had an idea. Has had a plot twist that he was waiting to unveil to the world. And Paul here is saying, I've got it. I want you to know on it. I want you to be in on it. And how does he define it? In verse 6. This is the mystery, he says. The mystery is That the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is a little disappointing. This is not what what I would expect reading this lead up to this great mystery. You you might expect Paul to say the mystery was something about Jesus himself directly, right? The mystery was you were going to be saved by a crucifixion, right? That was a surprise. We hadn't seen that coming. It was a plot twist. The mystery was that there'd be this thing called the incarnation. The mystery is that there's a trinity. There's one God and, and three beings, right? We, we can imagine all kinds of other things that might stand in place of this great mystery that Paul has and wants to share. Instead, he says, the mystery is a table. And it's a sh- table that's shared. And on one side of the table, you have a person who is not circumcised, and, and their, their breath still smells like pork. And on the other side of the table, you have a faithful Jew who follows the Torah and has waited for the promises of God to come true, for the Messiah to come, for God to bring his redemption to creation. And the mystery is that they are now one. That together, not individually, together at that table, that one body they experience the good news, the gospel. They come together and as a body experience redemption. We're told that this, this, this mysterious plan, that is the church, I mean, he spells it out in, in verse 10, has a purpose. There was a purpose of this mystery. Through the church, he says in verse 10, God wanted his manifold wisdom to be made known. You see, for, for all of creation... God creates human beings and they start to organize and they start to live. And God watches them do these things, right? He sees different families. He sees different communities. He sees different kingdoms and nations and villages. He watches construction and architecture. He sees politics. And we're told the whole time he's holding back. He's looking at how people are formed, he's looking at how people treat each other, he's looking at how tables are divided. And he says, "I've I've got a plan. I've got something that I'm going to unveil, and it's going to show the world my manifold wisdom. It's going to reveal what creation was really meant to be like. It will be the means by which mysteriously humans will find their life, it will be reconnected with the source of that life, the Creator God. A Gentile, a fellow heir with a Jew." members of one body. This is similar to what Jesus says to his followers. He says, look, you as a community, y'all are going to be a city on a hill. The way that you organize and the way that you relate to one another is going to be an example to the rest of the world. You're going to be, in a sense, an alternative society. You're going to stand apart from the rest. In a real way, for Jesus and for the authors of the New Testament, the world needs the church. Without the church, the world doesn't know that it's the world. The church stands as this shining example of what it looks like for the gospel to work itself out in people's life. And I think we're at a moment in, in our national history that we can really appreciate this. Because the kingdom doesn't shut down. Right? I mean, there's no shutdown in the kingdom. And I had to check this one, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have a veto on a plan. Now, there are three branches. I don't know if there's a Trinitarian thing there with the American government. Maybe we can work on an analogy there. But Jesus' kingdom, his people, his church, this is God's plan for creation. This is the temple that he desired to build since creation. And As surprising as it is, as hard of a jump as it can be to make, that Gentile and that Jew, they're joining a story. A story involving a community. And it's a story and a community that you and I belong to today. In fact, we're living it right now. Literally, at this second, we're inside this story, we're inside this community. Whether we knew it or not, whether we like it or not, this is what has happened. The mystery Paul is laying out here is that God desires to redeem and recreate and bring life. God desires to forgive. And he does that through his people as they live out the life of Jesus among each other, as they pray, as they sing, as they read the scriptures as they laugh, as they cry, as they serve. The mystery that Paul is getting at here is that in 2019, a person with lots of money in their bank account is sitting in the same room as a person who's paycheck to paycheck. And they're praying together, and they're worshiping together. The mystery is that in this room right now, there's Someone, people who are struggling with depression, who, who we might not even ever know how difficult it was for them just to get to bed or just to make it to service today. And at the same time, next to them, across from the room, is someone who's joyful and happy and at peace, and they worship together. The mystery is that there are those of us in this room who have known great loss. We've lost people very close to us. There are others of us who have not known loss at all yet. And yet we are praying together and worshiping together, living life together, following Jesus together, have committed ourselves to doing that. It's a mystery. If, if the church itself is God's mystery, it's not too much to say that it's still mysterious. The church is God's mystery, but it's still mysterious to me, the church itself, the way the church is, why God chooses to do this, how it works. So mystery plays a big part in the Christian world, in the Christian faith, in the Christian life. Just about everything, when it comes to being a Christian, thinking Christianly, has an aspect of mystery to it. The Trinity. The Trinity is not an idea to be explained away. It's not a puzzle that can be solved. It's a mystery that we preserve. The incarnation, the idea that God becomes a human being, again, it's not a puzzle I solve. It's not an explanation one of us can give. It's a mystery. The table, when we come to the table and have bread and drink and somehow meet and participate and take in Christ, that's that's not a puzzle I can solve for you. You're not going to find a book where that idea is explained perfectly away. It's a mystery that's preserved. And it's a mystery for me. That for the past decade, with various people at various times, some at higher points, some at lower points, through very normal activities sometimes, through very extraordinary activities at other times, the church is where the Holy Spirit has shown up, has worked, has moved. The mystery that Paul Lays out here is not that Jesus comes to an individual and transforms that individual. That one person can be an heir and a part of the body of Christ. The mystery is that people can come together and together be part of this one body. And as weird as it is, as mysterious as it is, this is where we place Sweetwater Christian Church. This is how we try to understand this. This is how we try to play a role faithfully. The mystery is not an idea. It's not a fact. It's not a theory. It's a story, and it's a community. And it's a story that we live in and a community that we have joined. In fact, um, there's a scholar, Christian Wyman, who suggests that perhaps one of the reasons Jesus speaks in story so often is because he's actually trying to, quote, prepare his followers to stake their lives on a story. Because existence itself is not a puzzle to be solved, but a narrative to be joined. And the church exists. Sweetwater Christian Church exists. The reason we come together on Sunday mornings, the reason we organize other things, is so that we might join this narrative and thus be transformed. 2019 The years in front of us, who we want to be, where we want to go. The invitation is to continue to enter into this mystery. That by living the life of Jesus together, we might find life, we might find transformation. As a church, our mission statement is to make disciple-making disciples. We want to be one, and we want to make one. This is kind of what we're all about. Leadership has gotten together at the church, and, and we've kind of developed a, a robust vision of who we are and where we are and where we want to be, and, and this kind of forms the foundation of all of it. Okay? We want to glorify God by being people who are disciples and then replicating that, having more people be disciples. This means inherently, yes, growth. Maybe not growth that we would anticipate or expect or can always measure perfectly, but, but growth. We want to be disciples who make disciples. But we have to go farther than that. So we've thought about how do you get there? How do you become a disciple-making disciple? We've got a, a map for that. We've, we've thought, here's maybe how it could happen if we faithfully followed a rhythm where we worship regularly, where we participated in community where we, we formed ourselves spiritually through disciplines, prayer, scripture, fasting, and we served, we, we gave our gifts. We met the needs of others. It, it's not something that happens once. It's not something that happens in a month. It's something that perhaps might happen over a decade, or two decades, or three decades. And it's not even enough to, to really have this map to have a, a, a rhythm that we know we can follow. Um, we also have to know how we can measure if we got there. How far away are we from this? And so we have mission uh, measures. We have things for you and I to think about individually and as a, a body as we are right now and continue to go forward uh, into the new year. Here's how we define this. What, what would be a success? How, how would we know that someone is um, experiencing um, the transformation into being a disciple-maker? Well, one, they would be aware and experiencing the love of God in Christ. Their life would be built on that foundation. The second one is that they would be following Jesus with others. They would be committed to following the teachings of Jesus in the context of community. Not perfection, not easy, but, but committed. The third is, is they'd be living generously. They'd be dedicated to, to living a generous life in all aspects, holistically. And lastly, they'd they'd be devoted to replicating their faith in the hearts of of, of people around them. Now, all of us right now individually could place ourselves up against this map. and We could see where we land. And I think that would be useful for us. We all are stronger in some areas and more deficient in other areas. And in 2019, here's the hope, by entering the mystery and faithfully worshiping together, serving together, participating in a community together, that we might know God's love more fully, that we might follow him more faithfully, that we might become more generous, that we might be able to replicate our faith, that baptisms might abound. And then we have values. Core values, mission values. These are the things that kind of motivate us and propel us. Seeking the truth. Kind of our, our reputational tagline we've adopted here is, is a deep church in a shallow world. We want to really explore and dig deep. Accepting unconditionally. Living in community. Serving selflessly. Training the next generation. These are, we sometimes compare them. It's, it's, this is our, our communal DNA these are the values that we want to have expressed in the way that we exist and the things that we do. Uh, so DNA, is, as I understand it, which is not very well, is kind of the, it, it contains kind of the genetic code, if you will, the information that influences how proteins are made and how everything else is made. And, and basically it has the instructions, right? It's the manual for how your body will grow and develop, what it will look like and how it will function. It's why your hair is a certain color. It's how tall you are. It's why you're more prone to this disease or that disease. The thing about DNA and and genes that's very interesting to me is is they can be expressed at some times and not at other times. And and the expression of your genetics can actually be influenced by things outside of just itself. So you're born with DNA, and, and you can't really do much about that. Blame your parents, okay? You have permission. I do all the time. But but we know this, your DNA can, for lack of a better way of explaining this, because again I barely know any of this, can kind of some of these genes can turn on or off. They can express themselves or not express themselves based on things like the environment, food, drugs, toxins. This happens a lot more regularly actually than than most of us are probably aware of. Uh, a lot of you perhaps experience this. I did when I was a kid. I was blonde. And as I grew up, my hair got a lot darker. This is genetic expression happening. Um, There are some studies, controversial in some circles, that suggest the way your genetic expression um, changes during your life because of the experiences and toxins and things you're exposed to, that that changed version of your DNA is what gets passed down to your children. So they've done studies about Holocaust survivors, and they've seen genetic differences in their kids because of how their DNA had to react for various things to go there. I explain this not because uh, I want you to be a geneticist or because this is really vital for us to know about gene expression going forward. I say this because what we want to do in 2019 is we want to put ourselves in a position where our values are expressed, where our mission values, our core values get turned on. Because there are ways that we can unknowingly turn them off. There are ways that we can prevent other people from practicing them. There are ways that we can just be blinded or ways that we can't imagine how we might progress and grow and do things of that nature. Where are we as a church and, and what do we want to do going forward? Well, we want to enter the mystery. We're worshiping together and following Jesus together. And over the course of the next few months and throughout 2019, we'll, we'll make some changes. And, and we've got in mind a couple of things that we want to challenge you with as a congregation. And, and what we're asking for and, and, and what we're reading in Scripture is, 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 is commitment. It's a, it's a dedication. It's, a, it's an acknowledgment that, that somehow, in some way, you and I, worshiping together, Praying together, relating to one another. The life of Christ is created in us, that you and I experience the Spirit, that you and I are transformed, and that we're then equipped to go in and to replicate that. Sweetwater Christian Church, at its height, is a church that replicates, it's a church that grows, it's a church where you're growing as a person. It's a church where you're growing as a a, a spiritual person. It's a church where the community is growing because of us. It's where our our ability to to love and forgive and serve is is a, a witness to the rest of the world around us. It's a signpost of God's wisdom for what life could and should be like. And so a decade has come and gone, and at times it seemed like a long time, and at other times it seemed to go really fast. Who knows how fast the next year will go, two years, three years, decade, for any of us. Will you enter the mystery? Will you enter the mystery? That's the invitation.